Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast, Season 2, Episode 20. Tegan, how are you doing today? Uh, doing well, enjoying fall. Uh, had to do some work, work projects outside this weekend and actually got to do without sweating uh, to death, so it's been pretty nice. Yeah, that wonderful Michigan weather we have where it's uh, you know hot and cold in the same day, so it's mm. nice for those types of things. Yeah, we did... Uh, Touching on fall, we carved some pumpkins over the weekend, my wife and I as well, and some had some cider and rum, a good favorite for the season as well. So definitely a good time for that. Definitely perfect timing for that. I had some uh, weekend before last, some hot cider with rum. It's like my favorite fall drink. Absolutely. So uh, welcome everyone to today's episode. We are going to talk about the, uh, it's been a, a little bit now since they've come out, but we decided it took a dedicated episode, the new customization options, uh, class, multi-class, splash class, and some weapon uh, customization options that came out. It's pretty extensive update. So we're going to touch on all of that today. Beforehand, a few announcements on our end. Of course, check us out, DungeonJediMasters.com for access to all of our content, this podcast, our YouTube channel, Twitch for live plays, uh, Instagram and Twitter, merch store if you'd like to grab a DJM t-shirt or otherwise, and of course, our Patreon. Uh, Patreon goes to support hosting and creation of our content, including the podcast. And uh, we do have some new members that we would love to give a shout out to. Uh, in tier two, we have we welcome Henry, Philip, Edward, Sarah, C. Dyer, and Gerald. Thank you very much. And we do have a new tier three member, Lewis. So uh, big thanks to you and, of course, all of our existing Patreon members. We appreciate uh, all of your support. And, of course, as uh, Patreon members, you do gain access to our exclusive content that we provide. Uh, including uh, our next Patreon encounter, which for Tier 3 members will be out on the 26th, and then for all Tier 2 members will be out on the 2nd of November. Every once in a while, we like to do a freebie, uh, usually middle of the month. Uh, Tegan, given it's uh, October, spooky season, Halloween's coming up around the corner, we thought we'd do a little something fun with tricks or treats. Uh, tell us uh, about that freebie for this month. Yeah, definitely. So this will be a fun little addition to a campaign, uh, and it's more for the holiday season, just something you can kind of add in, especially if you're doing a spooky-themed uh, session or uh, I've got something like that coming up. Uh, but basically, the tricks and treats will be a roll table. Uh, you can have your players go on that, and then they'll basically, uh, when they're making a check, uh, they can do a little additional roll on that side to see where they wind up on the tricks or treats table. Uh, some of these things are going to give them, um, for the treats, like mechanical bonuses, like things like uh, an extra D4 uh, to the their next attack or a check roll uh, or things like disadvantage on the trick side if they uh, they mess it up and there'll also be some funny ones on there too uh, so definitely check it out uh, it could be kind of a fun way to really especially if you're doing a holiday or Halloween session uh, to get a little extra flavor in there too absolutely yeah great for one shots holidays anything um, you know if you want to go crazy throw it into your full-time campaign of course or maybe some specific count encounters within there but uh, check that out 
I believe that's everything on our end. Uh, so switch over to a couple Star Wars 5e releases. We have a species and a background. First up is the Zilkin species. As uh, most of us would probably recognize the Zilkin uh, as Colonel Gaskin from the uh, droid story arc in Clone Wars. And uh, the Zilkins, they are a, a very small bipedal amphibious species from the homeworld, their homeworld of Zilk. So uh, with the ability scores on this species, they have a dexterity of two and they have two other ability scores that you can increase by one. So lots of flexibility there. Uh, and just in general, pretty big ability score increase off the bat. Uh, they are size tiny, so they're very small. Uh, so that is that kind of is a, um, a setback for the species uh, as we'll see down the road. Uh, so keep that in mind, but always fun to try and work that into uh, party build. They, along with that uh, small size, their walking speed starts at 20 feet. Uh, being amphibious, they can breathe air and water, so there could be some benefits there. And they also do have dark vision, 60 feet. So talking on that small stature, uh, pint-sized, one of their other features, uh, it's hard to wield bigger weapons. So they cannot use medium or heavy shields, and you can't wield weapons with two-handed or versatile property and only wield one-handed weapons in two hands unless they have the light property. Of course, uh, there are some feats and other things that you can help to uh, deal with that, but that's gonna be your base uh, access to weapons. And another feature of being small, uh, puny. Zilkin are too small to pack much of a punch, disadvantage on strength saving throws, and when determining bonus to attack and damage rolls for weapons using strength, you can only add a maximum of plus three to that bonus. Uh, some positive things here of the species, uh, the, they're a quick learner. And when using downtime to learn a new language or training with a set of tools, it takes half the amount of time and credits necessary. So that's a very cool feature, especially for those that like the downtime uh, you know, training aspect, great species for that. Uh, a positive of their small size, small and nimble, too small and fast to be effectively targeted. You have a plus one bonus to your AC and advantage on dexterity saving throws. Also strong legged, you can make farther, taller and farther jumps uh, when you do that. And then lastly, you have a swimming speed of 20 feet, of course being amphibious. So there's a lot there in that species, uh, some good and bad, I think it balances out pretty well. Uh, this would be a fun one, I think, to put together. And uh, this was written by Huge Human. So another great addition to the list. Tegan, over to you for the new politician background. Yeah, so this is a fun one, especially if you wanted to make your very own the Senate character, get your Palpatine on. Uh, this is going to be a great way to start that off. Uh, basically, this is also your background uh, style, so it's going to give you access to uh, some different background feats you can pick with it. Uh, Fittingly, a lot of these are going to be very charisma-based, uh, so you've got the Silver Tongue, uh, Threatening, uh, Linguist. Uh, there's a lot of those cool ones you can go, because uh, if you're being a politician character, you're most likely one going to have charisma as uh, your top stat, if not your second stat. Uh, so this is a good way to kind of flavor that out, get some cool feats that explain your political background, uh, and just really kind of get that all up and running. Uh, it also lets you to, uh, so you get a couple different uh, roles, uh, tables as well. Uh, it even helps you kind of shape your ideology as a politician. So you can kind of, if you wanted to make it random, you can choose that or uh, roll it however you'd like to do so. Uh, but kind of some cool things to think about as you're fleshing out your politician character. 
Um, it also gives you some good personality traits, uh, as well as uh, just some different ideals and bonds to go after. Uh, this would definitely be a fun one, especially if you wanted to go politician across the board as a scholar, uh, or if you wanted to imitate uh, Palpatine, uh, make your counselor or Sith uh, a politician. This would be some good way to flavor that and hopefully kind of build into your backstory about uh, whatever political role you may have had before joining up with the party. Excellent. Uh, that is another good one there. Uh, politicians are a very core aspect of Star Wars, so I imagine this one will get utilized uh, right away. With that, I think that brings us to our episode proper. Uh, so, Tegan, we're going to talk about these new customization options. As we said at the top, uh, there's a lot here, a lot to unpack. So, And this brings a lot to a build uh, that you can create in the game. Um, there's already massive amount of, of customization and flexibility with features and things like that. And this just pushes it even further uh, in a very good way. So uh, start here with uh, the first kind of group of them, the class options. Uh, we have the class, multi-class and splash class improvements here. And uh, we'll, we'll break those down each. Um, first things, of course, is how you gain access to this. So each of these, uh, there's going to be a level four requirement for each of these, and you'll gain them via a feat. Uh, for the class improvement, for example, uh, you'll take a feat at fourth level, and doing so it allows you to adopt a new application to your class. Uh, so it's similar to fighting styles. You'll take this feat, and then you have access to these different features. Uh, with the class improvement feat, uh, you also do get an ability score increase of one. Uh, to a maximum of 20 of course so that's uh, nice that it helps you to bump things up the other two multi-class and splash class uh, you don't get any abi bumps uh, but you just get to gain the uh one of the features within the improvements within the feat so tegan let's start with that those class improvements uh some good stuff here uh run down i guess uh you know give us an overview of what what they are what they do first Definitely. So these are tailored to each of these classes. Uh, and then one of the things outside of the level four requirement, uh, you have to have at least three levels uh, of the class uh, that you're going to be taking or uh, within the class you're taking that uh, class improvement for. Uh, but these are just kind of cool ways to improve core aspects of the class. Uh, so um, for, let's say for Guardian, for instance, uh, Guardians are often known to be kind of running low on force points or for their force enhanced strikes, uh, especially when you want to make sure you're really getting the most crit damage you can from hidden one of those. Uh, with this Guardian uh, class improvement, uh, what it's going to allow you to do is uh, using a bonus action, you can use your channel of the force uh, to regain two force points. Uh, and you can use that feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus too. Uh, so you, and you regain them on a long rest. So that's a great feature for the class. It's often known to be struggling a little bit to keep up with those force points. And that way you can keep smiting or keep force and hand striking uh, as long as you can. Uh, and each of these classes have something like that that you can do uh, that improves one of the core features of the class just to really make sure that you're getting the most out of it. And especially with the additional ABI increase, it can be a great way just to set up your, just to really make sure that your class is shining through with your PC. Definitely, yeah. As you said, each one has uh, a very cool feature from something from within the uh, class already. Uh, Sentinel, for example, it's utilizing the kinetic combat combat die. You get to roll that with advantage, so great there. Uh, each one's going to obviously tie into the class. Uh, so something that's cool here in this is the alternate class feature, and this is a really cool part of it as well. Uh, so it's basically saying you can take these 
these improvements and and maybe swap it in for a feature. You want to expand on that a little bit, Tegan? Yeah, definitely. So with this one, it's kind of a pretty cool one, especially if you really want to customize out your PC. Uh, but yeah, it allows you to get some flexibility and swap in one of those class features. Uh, and it gives you some good guidelines, too, for going through that. So the nice thing with this is uh, it does give you some cool features for your class and allows you to replace them for other features that your class already may have. Uh, for instance, if you're a Berserker and you wanted to pick up the class feature, which uh, allows you to, when a creature ends a turn within 15 feet of you, you can use a reaction to move half your speed closer to that creature without provoking opportunity attacks. If you really like that, if you wanted your uh, Berserker to always be getting close into somebody that comes after them, you could replace that with Danger Sense. So you'd get that ability, but then lose Danger Sense. Uh, so it really just kind of gives you some flexibility, especially if one of those abilities really shine through for you with the class improvements, uh, to work with your DM and go through and say, hey, I'm going to drop this and pick up this, uh, and then kind of roll through with your PC. Yeah, super cool there. And of course, uh, the suggestion here is to allow them to do that even at level one. Uh, sure. So you can, you know, of course, these all require at least three levels in that class. But since you're replacing the feature here, you could pick that up at level one and then come around to fourth when you're fourth level to get the feet. Uh, you could then pick up that feature you replaced. So in the example of Berserker, you swapped out Danger Sense to gain the class improvement version of the Berserker. When you hit level four, you could bring Danger Sense back in uh, if you wanted. Cause maybe you wanted to start off with this feature, um, you know, just for those beginning levels. So very cool. Lots of flexibility in this. Uh, check out the class improvements if you haven't yet. Uh, anything else on those, Tegan? Yeah, nothing too big. The only other one I would mention too, just is it's great for the operative class, uh, either picking it up as a feat or using it to replace bad feeling. Uh, check out the operative. It gives you aim. So pretty much the, the Tasha's aim feature where it allows you to use your bonus action to give you advantage on your next attack. Uh, so it lets you, uh, for operatives, that's crucial because it gives you a free sneak attack pretty much. Uh, only downside being you can't move until the end of your next turn uh, or to the end of your, uh, to the end that you can't move at all during that turn we can move next turn uh so cool one there even where you replace bad feeling with that so it could be one if you want to replace it that's a pretty decent trade-off in my opinion uh but if not definitely great to pick it up with the feet very nice yeah definitely so moving on uh with these improvements next is the multi-class improvements and this of course as the name implies is related to multi-classing it, it, it gives you a choice of uh, multi-class improvements. Uh, you must meet these uh, requirements, of course, to choose them. And uh, you can't, in, you, these ones you can't choose more than once. Uh, so Tegan, tell us about the multi-class improvements. So these ones are sweet. These are some of my favorites. Uh, these are a great way, especially if you had a build you wanted to do, uh, but are worried about missing something crucial for your class. Uh, this is the best way to go about it uh, and make sure you're keeping something from that class you wanted to have uh, while still taking some other levels in uh, a different class. Uh, for instance, like uh, one of uh, the best examples, uh, monks are pretty hard to multi-class because you do lose out on quite a bit. Uh, but this way, let's say if you wanted to do uh, a monk berserker, uh, you could do your uh, three levels of, and this you have to have at least three levels uh, in the class you're picking up that uh, improvement for. Uh, so if you had uh, three levels of monk, uh, you could go through uh, and pick up uh, the uh, so that feat, which will allow you to use your overall levels. Uh, so both your levels for the monk and the berserker for determining the size of your martial arts die. Uh, so it could be great for keeping that damage high. Uh, and they've got different ones for all of them. It's like on the other side, if you want to do the berserker end of it, you can add half of your uh, 
uh, chosen classes levels to your berserker levels when determining the number of times you can enter a rage. Because uh, rages are a cru crucial resource for the berserkers, and multi-classing can be a little little stressful for keeping that uh, that feature going. This is just a cool way to be able to keep your multi-class while keeping those core features intact. Definitely, and, and just kind of to grind down into the specifics there. So let's say you are a level three monk, you have to have that as a minimum and a standard level three monk, you're going to have a D4 on that martial arts die. But let's say you also have two levels in any other class, Berserker for example. Uh, what this allows you to do is say you now have five levels and that gets you to hit the fifth level in the monk features for the D6 martial arts die. So that's the way that this is utilized uh, for that specific multi-class improvement and, you know, get that little bit of benefit of, of as Tegan, as you mentioned earlier, you know, otherwise missing out on something because of the multi-class. Yeah, it's a really cool way to do that. Uh, so definitely one of my favorites. I really recommend checking it out for it works pretty well for any of the different classes too. Uh, so try it out, especially if you've got a multi-class going. This could be a good way to make sure you're still keeping up and not losing too much by uh, going for the build you wanted. Yep, absolutely. And and these are all pretty straightforward. Uh, they don't really vary uh, from one or the other. It's basically that aspect of you get to add the total levels from from other things uh, for the most part, um, the features, uh, and then it just benefits the feature that you would get in the uh, parent class there. So awesome. All right, and last for the class improvements is the splash class improvements. And this one is very cool. Uh, essentially, you can get a feature from another class in your build. So if you are not a build, uh, so as uh, my character Ool in the Hunted campaign is a guardian, of course, anyone that plays a Guardian loves your Force Empowered Strikes, uh, Force Enhanced Strikes, one of those two. Um, and, uh, you know, but if you're if you're a different class, fighter, engineer, and you wanted to utilize that, well, you have to, uh, with that one specifically, I should mention, you have the ability to cast Force Powers. So, but you could do that with a feat and other things. But you wanted that... Uh, to do that extra damage, you can do so with the Splash class improvements. Uh, Tegan, tell us more about these. Yeah, these are pretty sick. Uh, DMs, as a note, if you include these, uh, these are definitely ones I'd allow your players to go for, but just note if you do include them, your players will be pretty strong because it's allowing them to get a, a core. Because usually multi people have to multi-class to get some of these features, uh, but this is allowing them to pick it up with a feat, keep their current build, to keep their current levels, and get some pretty sick features with it too. Uh, so it gives you, as Todd mentioned, it gives you all, the, or it gives you one of the core features of a class. Uh, so for Guardian, you get Smite. Uh, for the Berserkers, you can pick up rages which if you're a fighter this could be a great way to pick up rages uh without having to sacrifice any fighter levels uh which can be crucial uh so it just it really allows you to get some cool stuff in there uh nice thing though is there are restricted uses so if you're a dm worried about balance uh most of them they're ones you can use once per day and you pick up an additional use of it at level 11. uh some of them though are um ones that kind of tie in more towards your regular stuff um like for the guardian or the counselor for instance um those are based off of using your force points uh so they can be great if you're one of the three force classes or even one of the the archetype ones that are give you access to the force and you wanted to pick up some of the those additional features you can use your 
force points to fuel them. And counselor and guardian, because counselor, you get the force empowered casting options, which if you're going for a sentinel can be pretty sick to uh, get some cool uses of your bonus actions uh, with like quicken spell or even twin spell and different things like that. Um, so really check this out. This is super sweet. All of them have something cool that you can pick up with them. Uh, but especially the force classes, you can really go in and actually not even just the force classes. Force classes, you get them because of cool force powers. I would say that probably the most powerful one on here, surprisingly, is the monk, especially if you're going for an unarmed strike build, because uh, it gives you a free action. If you've already have bonus action unarmed strike, which you can pick up using brawler, if you're already a, or you can't get them if you're already a monk, but if you have like a brawler, if you're a fighter or berserker, whoever it is, you can pick up uh, this uh, this feat, and it's going to allow you to make a free action uh, unarmed strike if you can make a bonus action unarmed strike, uh, which. If you can, as over, if you want to go for a broken build, your DM may hate it. Um, if you combine that with Brawler Mastery, uh, that'll let you make two free action unarmed strikes a turn, which is just like a, a level five. You can make up to what five, five, five attacks per turn, uh, or four or five attacks per turn. Um, just which is kind of crazy. Four attacks per turn, which is pretty sick uh, for that, uh, especially two of them not even using an action. So crazy build there, but check it out. Yeah, giving the fighter a run for the money, you know, with that. So probably uh, some funny business you could do maybe with the fighter. Yeah, especially with the fighter because you get the, that fighting style for free and you get a mastery for free too. So if you pick this up, as you, yeah, you can pick this up at level four uh, and be able to make, uh, well, that be a level four, uh, four attacks at level four, four no, three attacks at level four, uh, it's, which is pretty crazy. Uh, actually, no, that, that would be because uh, one from your action, one from your bonus action, two from your free action. That, that'd be four attacks, level four, five at level five. Wow. Uh, which is ridiculous. The nice thing is it is limited to a number of, you can do that a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus per long rest. Uh, but with a fighter, you could do that, make your five attacks at level five, action surge for two more attacks. That's seven attacks. And if you have to hit something seven times, it's probably dead. So get some fun use out of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You would hope. So awesome. So yeah, again, great disclaimer there, Tegan, you know, DMs be aware that, you know, this does uh, add a little bit uh, extra power creep to the game, but uh, it's, it's, it's certainly a fun feature for the players and whatnot. And, and there are some things that reels that in with uh, limitations, but uh, just another, you know, very fun, uh, customization option here for that. So, uh, so those are the main class uh, improvements here, as we talked about the class improvements, multi-class and splash class. Uh, the next big uh, release that came out was the weapon focuses and weapon supremacies. Uh, so there's a there's a, quite a bit here, uh, and again, this is another one where you gain uh, gain these features uh, via a feat like fighting styles and and these other. Uh, improvements we just talked about. Uh, they are all locked behind that level four requirement. So you can't pick this up at uh, level one. Uh, and so you have the two different feats, weapon focused or weapon supreme, uh, supremacist. And uh, just as they imply, they all relate to weapons and they there's specific, uh, these features, focuses um, that relate to each different types of weapons. Uh, Tegan, tell us, let's start with the weapon focus uh, and talk about that. Definitely. So one of the big focuses between the weapon or differences between the weapon focuses and supremacies um, or kind of what the plus one goes to. So each of them give you a plus one uh, to either your attack or your damage roll for a particular style of weapon. Um, so for instance, the weapon focuses will give you 
plus one to damage. Uh, so each of those ones were different ones. So they've got the blades, carbines, crushing weapons, heavy weapons. Uh, each of those would give you a plus one uh, to the, the that type of weapons damage rolls. Uh, the other cool thing with the focuses is it's going to give you something cool to do uh, when you score a critical hit with that weapon. Uh, using blade focus for uh, an example, uh, if you get a hit, critical hit with a blade, which can be uh, a sword, uh, uh, any of those type of weapons, repair, uh, it's going to allow you to, the, the whoever you hit that target, uh, the next time they attack, that first attack has disadvantage. Uh, so they're kind of a cool thing you can add there, and each of them has something different they add when you get a critical hit with it. Uh, so definitely something to take a look at. Uh, the also... Um, they give you something to do uh, where you can sacrifice uh, an attack action or uh, so we could uh, like for blade focus for again, for instance, if you took the attack action, you could forgo one of your attacks to parry uh, and for each attack you forgo, you get a plus one bonus to your AC to the next turn. Uh, so that could definitely be a good way to give you a little bit of extra staying power if you're worried about getting hit uh, and just uh, really make it a little harder to hit there. And each of them have something different that you can do um, when, with forgoing one of your attack actions to get some type of bonus. So these are sweet, especially if you wanted to, to make it a fighter or a berserker or somebody that's really just kind of uh, an expert at their weapon. This can be a good way to have uh, mechanical bonuses behind that to represent that mastery. Yeah, very cool. Uh, just I was looking through some of these other ones as well. Just to give another one as an example, uh, the rifle focus, um, especially that uh, the kind of third bullet point on each of these for what you kind of can give up to get gain. Uh, this one is when you take the attack action, you choose to forego one or more attacks to scramble. For each attack you forego, you can move up to 10 feet without provoking opportunity attacks. So that's very cool. Uh, you know, rifle focus you're probably going to be ranged and if you're not if you're within melee of somebody you know that's going to cause an issue so this allows you to say hey i'm gonna you know go ahead and get out of the way to get into that ranged you know get into range so you're not uh, getting disadvantages from your attack so very cool there all uh all very cool features just to add on to this so there's also a suggestion here within the uh within this uh, weapon focus feat uh, options here of alternative weapon focus. So essentially it says that uh, your weapon of choice as a character uh, may be governed by one of these specific focuses, but uh, maybe that build is better utilized um, utilizing a different one. So the example they say uh, your blaster rifle might work better for you with the carbine focus rather than the rifle focus, you know, specific features, uh, whether it's a, a narrative flavor thing or just whatever else, uh, other features of your build. So essentially it's just saying, hey, talk to your DM. So DMs out there, you know, consider this as well, that you could utilize a different focus, you know, probably not using a melee based with a ranged base, but within those uh, two categories, you could switch that up. Uh, there is a point though, that your focus and supremacy do need to match. So if you switch over to carbine, even though you have a rifle, you would have to go with the carbine supremacy as well. So keep that in mind. And with that, uh, let's go to the other half of this, Tegan, uh, the weapon supremacy. So this is just more features that you can add on. Same thing, level four feet to gain these as well. Uh, so give us an overview of what these are. 
definitely. So this one's got the other half. So uh, you still get a plus one, but these ones are to your attack rolls. Uh, so they're going to make sure you hit a little bit more often. Uh, and these ones, uh, these ones have some pretty different uh, customization options you can really add to them. Uh, the Blade Supremacy is one of my favorites for this one as well. Um, so you get the plus one to weapon attack rolls. Uh, cool thing with it, though, is you also get to uh, increase your critical hit range. Uh, so that increases it by one. So uh, you'll crit on, a, if you don't have anything else equipped, a 19 and 20. Uh, now you can go pretty crazy with this too, especially if you're uh, playing with the mods rule and get some keen things to stack to it. Uh, or if you're um, the, uh, what is that? The uh, blanking on the fighter archetype. Uh, if that fighter archetype, you could really just have like a, a pretty wide array of uh, areas you can crit on. So definitely one to check out if you're going for a build like that. Uh, but you also get something cool that's available to uh, each of the, the, the classes. And um, one of the nice things with them too uh, is you get, uh, so if you have advantage on an attack roll, uh, and the lower of the 2d20s would also hit. Uh, this is pretty much true for all the different supremacy options. Uh, so if you roll those 2d20s and both of those d20s would hit the creature. Uh, or the creature has disadvantage on a saving throw. Uh, and the, the higher of the 2d20s would also fail. Uh, this is going to allow you to have to make a dexterity saving throw. So the creature would make a dex save. Uh, it's going to be eight plus your bonus to attacks with that weapon. Uh, and they'll gain one level of slow uh, until the end uh, uh, of your next turn. Uh, so now the kind of cool too, because it varies for each of the different classes on kind of what they'll get for failing it. Uh, but it's kind of a cool little extra thing, especially if you hit both those D20s to add some fun effect uh, to their failure on it. So check them out, uh, especially uh, for kind of the weapon that's usually your PC's kind of main go-to. Uh, it's really something cool that you can add and just give some, uh, just a little bit extra to your build. Uh, nice thing it also does too, so um, it gives you the last pieces when you, uh, so it kind of gives you the same thing that the Supremacist did, or the, the Focus did, where you can forego attack actions to do something else. Uh, so for Blade Supremacy, for instance, if you forego attack actions, it'll allow you to parry. So similar to the Focus, but the nice thing is if you took both of them, uh, so if you could already parry, uh, it would allow you to do this as a bonus action. Uh, so this could be a great use for a fighter, especially if you have uh, enough feats to get both of them, uh, to have something that you can use and use your bonus action to get some extra AC uh, without having to worry about wasting an attack. Yeah, very nice. Uh, lots of, of very cool options here uh, to, to add on. You do not need the... Uh, you do not need a focus to have a supremacy, uh, point that out as well. So you could just take either or, so, you know, they kind of coordinate with each other though. So just be something, if you wanted to add on to that build, uh, you know, level four once, and then level eight, uh, for the next one, uh, when you generally get your next, uh, feet and, uh, yeah, you know, there's just, there's, there's so much here. Um, so make sure to check it out, of course, and, and read through everything and, and see what works for you. Uh, Tegan, how about, is this going to add uh, some power creep as well, do you think? Uh, this a little bit, but I think this is pretty comparable. And some of these were regular feats before they got combined into right. uh, the weapon focuses and supremacy. So I don't think this one will will change much. I, th I think those are pretty comparable to a regular feat. So um, these are ones I wouldn't worry too much as a DM. Uh, now I would one thing I would keep in mind, especially if somebody does like I mentioned with the uh, the crit rule or the crit and keen and all that, just be a little aware of them. Uh, kind of a really uh, kind of uh, just stockpiling stuff. But outside of that. Uh, it really shouldn't change the balance too much. 
Right. Absolutely. That's good. Good to know. Uh, any other last thoughts from you on the supremacies or focuses, uh, this aspect of the customization? Uh, no, these ones are, are pretty cool ones. Uh, I like these. They're just kind of a cool way to uh, get some extra features, some extra uses uh, for your attack action. And I like how they give you some things to do outside of just regular attacks. So you could uh, kind of forego your attack. It's just something new or just something unusual, too. So definitely check them out, especially if you're looking for uh, if you're a berserker or a fighter and you want to do something else other than just say, I attack. Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, I think everyone always loves to just ramp up their their attack and damage bonuses. So this starts here, but expands so much more beyond that. Um, and that's maybe one other thing to point out again, too, is uh, the supremacies are going to be a bonus to your attack rolls. Uh, and then the uh, focus for the damage just I know you mentioned that already, Tegan, but something to point out again and remember that uh, if you're leaning towards one way or the other, you know, keep in mind, uh, that's one of the benefits that each of these things do. Definitely uh, helps you kind of beat that uh, bounded accuracy a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that wraps up uh, this discussion uh, for these new customization options. Uh, there was a lot here. Uh, of course, we didn't go through everything because there was so much. So check that out. It, it, these are all on the website, sw5e.com. And uh, so you can check those out, see how you can work them into your current build and let us know what you're using, what you like and how you've used them. Definitely, too. If you guys have like a crazy build you've made using some of these customization options, post them to the Discord. I'd love to see what you guys cooked up with them, especially the Splash classes. You guys can get some crazy builds with that. So with that, uh, that wraps up today's uh, episode. Thank you again to all of our listeners, of course. And uh, looking ahead to the next episode, uh, we had... Uh, some someone asked, I think it was on Reddit, was asking about companions. Uh, kind of came up. There's been a lot of companion classes coming up recently. So we're going to talk about companions in uh, Star Wars 5e. That'll be a, a fun one. There's a lot of questions along with that. So it'll be kind of cool to take a look at that aspect. Definitely. Uh, that's, that's a good one there for sure. So, all right. Well, we'll see you guys next time uh, to talk companions. And uh, with that... Uh, check out the encounters coming up on the Patreon as well. And thanks again to all of our listeners, followers, and subscribers. We'll see you next time. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.